Welcome to Growth Mindset University. My name is Jordan Paris, 21-year-old author and host of this show. And with this show, you and I will embark on a journey to learn the things that we should have learned in school but did not, so that we may take control of our lives while fulfilling our visions of success. Each episode will feature a brand new lesson, and now it's time for today's lesson. So put your thinking cap on because school is now in session. Before we get into it today, make sure that you are subscribed to the show, Growth Mindset University, wherever you are listening to this podcast. Everything we do here is to help you, to help you learn so that you can do all that you were created to do, so that you can maximize your potential and who you are. As cliche as that sounds, we have interviews with New York Times bestselling authors and really just the most successful people in the world every single week, two times a week, we have those interviews. So we don't want you to miss it. Make sure you go do that. And now without further ado, please enjoy the show. My guest today is a good friend of mine, Jeremy Miller. Jeremy discovered entrepreneurship as a vehicle for helping others and building community while also searching for an escape from depression. He was 16 when he opened his first custom longboard manufacturing business that focused on creating a safe space for young people to talk about life of all things. Great. Although the business closed with a deficit, he was drawn to entrepreneurship because of how positively it impacted his life and how much he was able to impact others. During this time, Jeremy explored and tested the depths of Twitter. In a 10-month period in 2016, Jeremy had organically reached over 100 million impressions. By the age of 18, he took what he learned from his first company and built an advertising agency called Inspired Blue Media with national clients and national press recognition. By 20, Jeremy had helped launch a tech startup and co-founded a 501c3 nonprofit, which we know as Start Ed Up from our friend Don Wetrick. Jeremy Miller, welcome to the show. Jordan, thank you so much. I don't get introduced like that every single day, so it feels pretty good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, got to get credit where credit's due. That's what I always say. So I want to make sure people can find you, Jeremy, in case they hear something where like it piques their curiosity, okay? JeremyRossMiller.com. They can learn more about you there. And at JJeremyMiller on all social uh, social media platforms, you, you're pretty regular with what you put out on Twitter uh, and, and to... to to confirm, yes, it's two J's and then Aramy Miller. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, Jeremy, how, how did you and Don, our our mutual friend Don Wetrick, start working together? Don was the previous episode two days before this. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, I, so I was an entrepreneur in high school and someone said, you know, I was an entrepreneur in high school in Greenwood and Don was in Noblesville. So, we were probably an hour away from each other. 
didn't really know who he was. He didn't know who I was. Um, and someone just said, hey, do you know who Don is? And I said, no. And they connected us online. Um, well, long story short, Don, you know, he heard a little bit about my story. And he, you know, he's, I was just a young entrepreneur in Indiana. And he said, hey, why don't you come speak to my class? And you know, this is the first time I was ever offered to do anything like that. So I was ecstatic to do that. It was, you know, I was just super excited. Um, so on the day that, you know, I'm going to go speak to his class, um, I actually got verified on Twitter on the same day. So I'm, I'm, you know, wait, 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 my, my, my confidence. <laughs> well, well, so that was back then where you could apply and you could have like five links to like, basically you would say why you deserve the verification. And then you'd have five links to basically prove that you're a public figure or, you know, uh, someone in the media or something like that. And so it was actually a pretty simple process because if you, if you were able to get some media or if you had a personal website and then just had a decent reason, like I want to give, I want my audience to help to find me easier on Twitter, then it was pretty easy to get a, a check mark. to be completely real. Wow. But now, but, but how, now, did it, how did it feel? Uh, it, it. I mean, I mean, it felt great at the time because, you know, it was the, the blue check mark. I mean, nowadays, I How just, old were you? Uh, I think I was 18, maybe. I'm, wow. Okay. Yeah. And, and so, and nowadays, what? You know, I, I, I just, it's kind of, it's funny to me. Like, it means a lot to other people. And like, like I guess the only benefit that I, I, I personally believe is when I reply to like my favorite celebrities, they are able to see my tweets. But besides that, it's just kind of a, a vanity thing, really. I mean, I don't know. I feel like, you know, a lot of people, you know, out in the world, they, you know, they, they view highly, which I guess that helps with the personal branding standpoint, but it's just really a vanity type of thing. That's so interesting. So continuing with, you're going to speak to Don's class. You right. just got verified on Twitter yes. and you're feeling good. Feeling good. Uh, share my story at Don's class. And, you know, Don's class, the innovations class, it, it was like my, my type of people, right? It was, and I can say what I'm about to say because I was this person in high school. It was the weirdos. It was the misfits. It was the rebels. You know, it was, you know, the ones who had, you know, the crazy ideas. Like I'm starting to share the, the Apple, the Steve Jobs mantra. But, you know, it was those types of people. So I was just instantly connected to this guy by the name of Don Wetrick because, you know, he was, you know, impacting these students who were just like me because, you know, I was only a year older or two years older than, than most of them in his class at the time. So, you know, these are like my people. Um, couple months down the road or actually uh that same day um i had you know, I, I knew don had started up llc which was a company at the time he and hunter stone they were selling to schools so they they're selling different uh, programs and i was just kind of asking him questions just as a friend hey how are things going um you know is your company growing just stuff stuff like that right um don you know he didn't you know he, he knew that you know the podcast was growing well and he knew that his you know, the sales were increasing um but once i started to ask him like you know more specific questions like you know what's the process on you know, how things are growing or like you know what's the month over month uh you know growth rate that those types of things he didn't know and so i was like okay well you know who's doing you know this the stuff for you you know because you know, maybe someone else is just doing it you know they're just giving him the top uh, information that's typical with agencies well long story short i end up getting a phone call um, with this marketing company that Don was hiring, and and by the way, side, I'm not going to name the company, but this was a very highly respected marketing agency in, in Indianapolis. Um, a long story short, Don he he didn't really know how things were going. He uh, he he thought things were going well, but he didn't actually truly know. And so I posed as one of his students and got on this phone call with his marketing company, asked them questions like. 
uh, you know, how do you iterate ads? Um, what's your customer acquisition process? Questions to me that were very, that should have been very simply answered. Um, but I still have this call recorded to this day and they could not answer these very basic questions. Well, uh, the next day I emailed Don uh, this video basically showing that this marketing company that he was hiring couldn't answer these basic questions about advertising and I shared with them, these are the ways they should answer this question, um, you know, these are the things they should be doing, blah, 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 blah. And you know, a, a couple months down the road, he ended up parting ways with that company and ended up hiring me as a consultant just because, just from that one phone call, just kind of exposing that th this company was just kind of, you know, they were just kind of letting themselves be hired and weren't really actually um, doing much or weren't really doing the deliverables that they promised to Don. So it was kind of a, an inter interesting story how Don and I got connected. Well, how did you take such an interest in marketing? Because obviously you're a talented marketer, right? Right. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know about that, but I, I do have an interest in you know social media marketing. Um, you know, it, it kind of really started from on Twitter when I was kind of exploring just social media. When I had my uh, skateboard company, Void Longboards, um, the whole idea of being an online brand was just really interesting, um, especially being a physical product. Um, and this was back in 2014, 2015. Um, and so, and, and Twitter was just kind of a, you know, tweet decking was a big thing, right? You know, like now it's, it's, it's a band type of tool on, on Twitter, but back then tweet decking was a very prominent tool. So essentially, um, you know, you would have a group of 15 to 20 influencers who might have 50,000 followers, right? They're all going to have kind of a similar, um, type of following and they might have similar themes as well. Maybe it's motivational stuff, maybe it's stuff about animals, but if I were to join this tweet deck and it was purely, it was a, a very se secret society, you know, you got to know someone to. You know, to get in, to get in type of thing, but if I were to be able to join this tweet deck and say, "Hey, I have fifty thousand followers. You know, here's proof of my audience, etc." Um, I could uh, basically leverage all of those tw Twitter accounts in that tweet deck and have them retweet one or two of my tweets each week. So if there's 50 of these accounts that have an average of 50,000 followers in this quote unquote tweet deck, then you know, it, then the rules would be I, I get a quote unquote tweet deck one of my tweets once or twice a week using all those accounts. So you know, you could get um, hundreds of thousands of impressions on one tweet, get lots of followers. Of, of, of course, assuming you have good content, um, but you just kind of through that process playing. With with this tool called TweetDeck, talking with a lot of the, these other influencers, you know, breaking into the 100,000 follower TweetDeck, you know, these types of things, it just really drew me in of of interest because not only could I like you know see like like my actions affecting other people, but all the analytics and the metrics and all the numbers where I could just so easily visualize my work and so easily visualize like 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 the stuff that I was doing, it, it was just it was intoxicating. I mean, it was really exciting to see those big numbers. I remember there's one. Um, ad that uh, I did for uh, Coachella. This was a couple of years ago. Um, I, I say an ad, but all it was was we just, I just, you know, from one of my accounts, I just tweeted one of their lineups and it got like 3,000 retweets and it got like 2.5 million uh, impressions. They, you know, they only paid me like 200 bucks for it. It was one of those things where they would identify like 50 different influencers, pay them all, you know, low amount of dollars type of, you know, multiple eggs in one basket type of thing. Um, but being able to be paid for, you know, something like that on social media and then have it work so well that I'm seeing these big numbers, it was just, it was intoxicating. So I just kept learning. And then I eventually met, you know, other mentors who knew the depths of social media that I didn't even think could have been learned. And that, you know, that, that just continued to just draw me in. And that's how you reached 100 million impressions in a 10-month period. Yeah. Hmm. How, how, I'm so curious how you penetrate this 
secret society of people yeah. fifty thousand to a hundred thousand followers or more. Yeah. I mean it, I'm I mean I look at your Twitter account and it's great. It's got the verified badge. Maybe you didn't have it back then. Probably actually you probably did. Uh but uh, I'm looking I, at you at five thousand followers. You know, like how how do you get into that community? Yeah, so they were theme accounts. So, so, so like my, you know, you look, you look at my Twitter account, that'd be considered like a personal Twitter account, but then like a theme account might be like at dogs, right? Or like food porn, for example. And all they do is just post pictures of food. Well, that's like a theme account. So we would have ownership over these theme accounts, and those are the accounts that would get, you know, just ridiculous impressions because the content would be viral type. You know, would would be much more viral or shareable type of content for social media. A lot of the content that I might put on my personal, yeah, it might be interesting, but it's not really worth getting three thousand retweets, or or else I'd probably be getting you know a lot more retweets. But you know, on these theme accounts, like for example, um, I thought thoughts of a dog, right? Um, you know, hey, wait, Matt Nelson been on yeah. the podcast. Ha, ha, Matt, ha. Matt episode Nelson, episode ninety five, yeah. That's awesome. Matt Nelson, he kills it on social media. He knows exactly, you know, the formula of what content resonates with his audiences to where they want to share that piece of content to where it makes them look good on their profile or makes them look good on their feed. So makes them look funny. Yeah. Exactly. And, and so, so going back to your original question of how I kind of infiltrated these like you know, secret circles of all these influencers, honestly, I just ta- started talking with a lot of them. It was, you know, dozens and dozens just started messaging them you know of course a lot of them might not have had dms open but the ones that had DM, dms open i'll just message them and i would just just try to build a relationship with them you know just build rapport um you learn their story you share my story and often i would you know kind of leverage my youth factor and say i'm trying to get into social media i'm trying to learn all these things and what actually happened was uh because well, at the time i had maybe like a thousand followers on Twitter. Like, you know, I, I was, I was a nobody, but there's one guy that I was uh, talking to and he had hundreds and hundreds of thousands of followers. He had dozens of accounts. It, he was actually one person who would flip accounts. This was, this is an illegal activity on the, mm-hmm. on the platform, but he would buy accounts, grow them to a certain amount of followers and sell them. Um, and he was, he was making lot, lots of money and it was really interesting. Um, so I would try to learn as much as I can. I never really asked for anything. Well, long story short, he ended up giving me an account with 5,000 followers. He considered it a quote unquote throwaway account. But to me, with 5,000 followers that had a niche, that had a theme, I don't remember what the theme was back then, but let's say it was space or something, an account that had a theme already kind of set up 5,000 followers. I had felt like I was just given like the, the keys of the car. I was like, okay, you know, like let's go game on. How can I use these? You know, okay. If I got 5,000 followers and maybe I can beg my way into getting into a, you know, much smaller deck of maybe 25,000 followers or something like that. And so I would just constantly building relationship after building relationship while also kind of slowly building my accounts, tweet that, tweet decking, trying to get these tweets to go viral, um, talking with other influencers, doing what's called a, a trade where, you know, I might, you know, go, go to another, you know, this is, this would be not using TweetDeck. I would, you know, this is very one-on-one, very transactional. It works, but it's it's transactional. It's very one-on-one. But I might go to another accountant who has fifty thousand followers or twenty thousand followers, a similar amount that I have, and I say, hey, I'll retweet one of your retweets if you retweet one of mine. You know, just simple stuff like that. Um, and it was it was a lot of work. I mean, I spent a lot of time just being on Twitter, um, probably unhealthy amounts. But you know, it it it, it got the impression. It was kind of kept drawing me into social media. Does this still work today? So tweet decking, I know, um, is not a tool. Allow, uh, well, I mean, I, I know it's 
a usable tool um, for Twitter, but the functions that we're using, I don't think is an allowable tool anymore because honestly, it got abused by a lot of people. Um, so like, I think it was possibly rightfully so that they um, added a, a lot more rules and parameters around that. Um, but just the concepts of what makes content go viral, the, the, you know, the, what I learned about what resonates with an audience, you know, I still keep, you know, I still keep those things that I learned back then still to this day. Cause you know, in social media, it is very true that this world is constantly changing. You know, there are some, you know, if you're in social media, if your job is social media, you know, a part of your job is just researching and staying on the know. Right. However, there are like, like fundamental rules, fundamental understandings of these social platforms that, you know, these founders of each one of these platforms all kind of had a basic understanding from when they built these platforms from the very beginning. And it was to resonate with an audience, to, 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 to uh, create some type of emotional reaction you know, from the person seeing that content. And if you just, you know, over time from the hundreds of tweets or thousands of posts or whatever, you were able to see, you know, m- you know maybe it was types of colors, maybe it was, you know, sub- some type of sort, you know, like nowadays you see in people's videos, the first couple of seconds, they have some type of quick action or some type of quick motion because they know in those first couple of seconds, they need to hook people's audiences oh, yeah. or, or hook people's attention. So yeah, learning a lot of those things and learning a lot of like, you know, what makes content work for sure a lot of those things are still true to this day what do you know then about paid advertising and hooking people's attention that way can you talk a little bit to that yeah so you know or- organic is- facebook or otherwise yeah anything. absolutely um so so just to kind of make the distinction you know if everything that we've been talking previously, it was all organic, you know, it was le- you know, leveraging someone else's audiences or just trying to get different tweets to go viral. Um, and then paid advertising is completely different. You know, that's where you're paying Facebook, Google, et cetera, you know, t- to get a certain amount of impressions or to, to get, to have that content, content reach, reach more people. My view on uh, paid advertising is purely have an objective of amplification. And, uh, you know, th- this is something that, that I've been, I've learned from a lot of different people in my life, but you know, these platforms, whether it's Facebook or Google or Twitter, they don't want, you know, their users to see bad content, right? So if I'm going to spend money on their platform, I don't want to spend money on bad content. Um, so, you know, oftentimes when I'm talking to a company or spending money on my own content or you're working for a company with Facebook advertising, you know, for the most part, I'm prioritizing the advertising budget on the best performing content. You know, some people might call it like the winner's piece of content, you know, the, the content that's just performing so well, and then we put $100 on it. And the reason for that is a lot of people, they don't amplify well. A lot of people, they have like, you know, like if you think about LinkedIn, you know, the, your first degree network, your second degree network, your third degree network, a lot of people do really good job engaging and entertaining and educating and informing and inspiring their first degree network, but they're not breaking that barrier of their second degree network, you know, the, the people who know their friends who know you, and, you know, that's where you can really create momentum around your personal brand or, or your company's brand. And the way that you're going to break that second degree barrier, that third degree barrier is you got to amplify what's already working. So the algorithms or the platforms or the people, they start to work for you. And you, you see this with social proof. If you have a video with, you know, uh, you know, Jordan, you know, what, what, you know, your LinkedIn post, they, you, you know, get a ton of engagement. You're killing on this platform. You know, w- when you have a post that has 500 likes and a couple hundred comments and, you know, 5,000 views or something, you know, people are going to be much, a lot more inclined to like that post, not only because it's you, not only because it's great content, but also because there's a lot of engagement and social proof all, on that content. So they're, they're subconsciously thinking, oh, I feel like I should already like this because I've already seen a bunch of other people like that. So amplification, you know, whether it's leveraging 
social proof, you know, leveraging the already existing engagement that you might have on an ad or just amplifying like your best pieces of content, like a why video, for example, you know, something where you're just defining your passion for your company or something like that. Interesting stuff that people want to share, stuff that people want to see on their feed. Um, spending, you know, ad dollars on those, those types of pieces of content, in my opinion, you can never go wrong. Obviously I say that, you know, don't blow money, but you know, the, your best pieces of content that you know, could resonate most with your audience, you know, that's where you want to be spend, spending your dollars. And what, what are the questions that you asked Don's marketing agency that he was using at the time to sort of check up on their performance? What, what measurements? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's crazy. I still have this call uh, recorded to this day. And it was interesting. Um, about halfway through this call, they very rushingly uh, said they had a meeting coming up and that they needed it in the <laughs> call right away. And I'll tell you right now, you know, going back, listen to their tone, it didn't really seem like they were having a meeting. It just seemed like they were embarrassed or something. But, you know, they're just very basic questions. You know, what is the customer acquisition process? Like if you were to ask me, Jordan, like what is my customer acquisition process? I'm going to start talking about the funnel. I'm going to start talking about, you know, awareness, engagement, conversion. I'm going to start talking about retargeting, different stuff like that. You know, if you ask me or, you know, another question that I asked them was, you know, how do you guys iterate your ads? Because one of the prime um, services that they were having was, uh, uh, advertising Don's podcast on the internet on social media. Um, well, you know those are ads on Facebook and Google. And, you know, and you you know I, I, as you know, you can't just you know turn on an ad and then just pray and hope it goes well. You you got to be checking that ad, changing the copy, iterating it, all the you know looking at the metrics, all these things. And so so that was one question I asked them: What is the process for iterating the ads? Um, and they didn't really have a good answer for that. You know, they were kind of jumping, you know, beating around the bush. They were saying, you know, very just just like buzzword type stuff that you know very high overview 30,000 foot stuff that was, and all I want to know how are you guys actually trying to move the needle when Don's you know paying you x amount of dollars you know what how what actions are you guys taking to give him a return on his ad spend and and just in this call they weren't able to give me a solid answer and that was when I you know I didn't even tell Don like hey man you got to fire this I literally just sent him the call because I knew from their lack of under you know their, their lack of uh, answers for the basic question that I asked he would know that okay you know they're probably not not the most fit to do what he's wanting and he proceeded to get rid of them. Yep, and yeah, he uh, he resolved the relationship with that company, you know, fairly and professionally as he would, and then he hired me as a consultant, and then six months later, we uh, co-founded the the nonprofit. Fantastic. So, Jeremy it says on your LinkedIn profile in your education, you're from the school of hard knocks. Eh? <laughs> yes, sir. Tell me about that. Yeah, you know, I mean, to be totally honest like if i had all the money in the world and all the time in the world and if i knew i was going to live to 90 and my all my family would live old and everything i would go to college and study like psychology in the brain because like you know i would love to just learn about the you know i'm not anti edu you know just like you you're not anti-education you know, you're, you're you're for knowledge just as everyone else i'm all for uh, however, education oh yeah absolutely however when i was exiting high school and I graduated on May 20th. I walked across the stage at 3.47 p.m. in 2017 um, because that <laughs> day was, was the best day of my life. It wasn't so much that like 
I, I hated, you know, although granted, I did not like the institution of school. I you know, didn't, you know, I, I, I didn't like that. You know, I was a little, I was a little bit more anti-college at that time, maybe more than I was then. But the, the true, rea- the true reason why I didn't go to college, the true reason why it was a no-brainer, was because I just needed more time. In high school, I had worked, you know, my ass off, you know, if you will, um, making connections, developing skill sets, developing areas of knowledge. So when I graduated high school, the the denominator or the formula or the ingredient that I needed to put into my cake to be successful wasn't another person, wasn't another client, wasn't you know knowledge. I needed more time because school was, you know, eating up so much of my time and I played soccer as well and all these kind of things. And I just needed more time to, to, to do what I had been learning to, 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 to do best basically over the last two years, the last three years of being in high school. So, you know, when, when I graduated high school, I, you know, it was like the whole world was opened up to me. You know, it was like, I got my wings on now I can actually fly. Um, and you know, I'm very thankful and grateful to say that, you know, that's kind of what happened when I graduated high school. That was kind of the, the start of a, a start of a lot of things. I was featured in Inc magazine three months prior to, uh, graduating high school. And then I, I leveraged that a lot more when I graduated out of high school, cause I had more money to think about ads and, and had a lot more time to think about my personal brand and leverage that feature to get a whole lot more. And that was just when kind of things just kind of kept taking off and, and college just wasn't really, I mean, it was always an option. Sure. But it just wasn't really, you know, on the, when I'm constantly making decisions about my time, you know, I'm just thinking like, you know, what's, what's going to be the outcome, you know, how much, you know, what's going to be the input and what's going to be the output. And, and when I'm exposed to these other areas of learning, like mentors or traveling solo, the input and the output is sometimes a lot more different than, you know, maybe $40,000 in and a piece of paper coming out. Like I'm not trying to knock college as a whole, you know, for some people it's great, but that was just my thinking going in. I was learning so much from just traveling or just meeting people online where I, I was kind of good, to be honest. I, I didn't really need, I didn't really need it. I felt. I want to point out that Jeremy, this is what Don and I were talking about the other day where it is so much better to come out of high school and have options like you had things going on you had media features money coming in like you had options right right? whereas okay i don't i'm not a huge fan of like getting a college education but i have nothing better to do so i'm gonna go to college because that's the only option that i have i think it's a very healthy thing to give yourself options right instead of instead of being locked in on one path especially coming out of high school i mean i i certainly didn't have options coming out of high school i didn't have anything going on at all whatsoever (laughs) like i was that was just the it was the only thing it was the default path to go to college so you can sort of eliminate that default path from your life and think for yourself about what you really want to do granted i mean if you're I mean, this is this is applying to younger people right now. Right. But what, Jeremy, when did you know that you weren't going to go to college? How, how early? You know, it was it was kind of a, a joke for a, a lot of my for a while when I was in high school. I mean, for for my close friends, you know, they kind of knew I wasn't going to college. I had known for a while I wasn't going to college. Um, I it was it was hard in some ways. Uh, have you know with, with me 
knowing that I wasn't going to college and my friends knowing I wasn't going to college and some of my teachers, it was kind of hard because, um, I, I went to a private school, you know, um, I left the public school in you know, late, uh, elementary school and I, I was going to a private school and, you know, your, your parents, you know, my parents, they paid, you know, a decent amount of money for me to get that diploma. And, you, you know, the high school, you know, there, if you would ask them, Hey, what's your goal? They, they would say it's to get the kids a diploma so they can go to a, a college, right? And for me to basically say, okay, you know, my parents, you know, they're spending all this money and, you know, I don't really care about high school and I don't even have that good grades and I'm not even going to go to college right after, which is what this is supposed to be preparing for me. You know, it, it definitely made it, you know, challenging, you know, because, you know, I... I struggle with trying to wanting to please people. And I, I feel like I do better now, nowadays, you know, just as I matured. But at the time, I really wanted to please people, friends, parents, teachers. Um, I was just a bit of a people pleaser. So yeah, being this anti-rebellion, it was cool because, yeah, I'm the rebel and everything. But it was also hard because, you know, it's, it's big decisions and, and you know, it, it can, you know, a lot of people don't realize that your decisions can often affect other people a lot more than you realize. So it was difficult. But to answer your question, you know, I knew I wasn't, I, I, I kind of knew I wasn't ever going to go to college. Um, it, it just, my, it, you know, ever since I was a kid, just be, always being curious around the world and, and just being curious around just the different ways that I could learn. Um, you know, college just wasn't really something very appetizing to me because it was, just, it just felt like, like you know, middle school just felt like elementary school and then uh high school just felt like middle school and then you know i just felt like college was just gonna be high school all over again so it just never really seemed interesting to me do you ever feel that oh man i kind of regret that decision maybe i needed to do this did you ever feel like that did you ever regret not going it, it would be nice to say that i I did. It would be nice to say I had some level of regret because, you know, some level of regret sometimes is healthy because it makes you, you know, question your actions, you know, and, and some healthy level and some healthy doses. But, you know, to be honest, I really haven't had much regret over the last couple years. Of course, I might have regret with how I handle relationships or how I might have, you know, made certain um, you know, just business decisions. But in terms of like just overall, you, you know, just the major decisions in my life, I haven't really experienced much regret and and I think it's because of a Prince EA video that I watched like years mm-hmm. ago about, you know, if you you go to a uh, you know nursing home, you know, talk to a bunch of, you know, these beautiful, amazing elderly people who have all these great stories and all, you know, they they're just filled with all this history, but if you ask them like, you know, what's your biggest fear? Like what what's one thing that you um, you know, kind of wish you would have done differently, you'll notice that a lot of them, they might have regret, you know, they wish they had done this and or they wish they had taken a little bit more, more risk, or they wish they would have started this business with their friend. And just that a concept of, I don't want to have regret kind of made me just super, um, intentional of the decision that I've just often made. Um, and I, and I thought about the worst case scenario. So like if I wasn't going, wasn't going to go to college, then I would always know that I would have to, I would have to build my platform. I would have to ensure that I got the education needed to be able to deliver the type of results that I had. And by going through that worst case scenario of where I'm the last defense and basically justifying, okay, I'm, I'm okay. If, you know, if, if my, all my businesses fail, but you know, I'm still going to have to basically just, you know, make sure that I'm still getting the education or the, the skill sets that I need to be able to, to, to make money survive because I was okay to justify that. And I had the confidence to be able to make those decisions. I, I, I was able to make most of my decisions confidently. And so I really haven't, um, it, you know, just experienced much regret. And for that, I'm, I'm really thankful. I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful for that, honestly. Mm-hmm. You have a really cool 
tech company. It's uh, Snapshift. Snapshift.com, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Snap and then shift. Snap instead shift. of a, Instead of an I, it's a Y. It's a Y, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I All think. hipster. I, yeah. Cool. <laughs> so, I, like you mentioned, okay, what if... What if you uh, what if you did fail? Like, what if some of these companies you have now do fail right. in in the future? Right? Like, right. what if things come crashing down? What are you going to do? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, you know, when I failed Void Lawnmower, so that was the name of my my lawnmower company. Um, I was devastated because one of the good things we were good at was, or one of the things we were good at was building awareness and getting people to know about our longboards and our brand and everything. And, and when it came crashing down, I felt like I let my school down, my friends, you know, all the people who we were talking to, you know, a lot of people in the community knew us. And I felt like that was going to be a scar for the rest of my life. You know, when I was 40 years old, people would be like, Jeremy, remember when you lost $8,000 and you're a kid? Like, that's just terrible. I'm not, I'm never going to hire you. Like, that was something I legitimately thought. But now, you know, like even a year after that happened, two, you know, six months after that happened, of course, you know, three, three or four months after, I was pretty upset, but thankful to my mentors at the time who were able to coach me. I, I was able to, you know, be, persevere. But six months after that, a year after that, I was able to look back and be like, Oh my gosh, you know, I could look at this as, you know, a, a financial failure. And, and oftentimes in the world's eyes, this is a failure. You know, I, I, you know, I'm not going to, you know, just be beat around the bus. I, you know, I didn't, I did not grow this company successfully. However, I can look at this at it from a different perspective and say, this was just a learning opportunity. This was a great story. You know, I'm still friends with all, all, all those people, um, you know, that we're building long boards together. I, you know, I still talk with them, you know, every now and then we have, you know, great stories to share and, that's kind of a tough argument because you think, well, you know, if, you know, the failing of a company that can hurt a lot of people. So, you know, if, if you're just thinking, oh, it, it'll be a good story that you can learn some things for yourself, that might be selfish. Um, and, and it might be, you know, I, I, I don't know, but you know, that's just kind of my, my, my thinking with failure. Like it's going to be something that you can learn. It's going to be something that that's going to equip you for the, the next chapter on your life. Of course, you know, people might, might, might get hurt, but you know, hopefully, you know, they were, they were, you know, hopefully you, Operating that company, you're able to, you know, ex, you know, express you know, the the true risks and realities properly, you know, so you're not like manipulating them like some people might. Um, but you know, failures are just an amazing opportunity to learn and and for uh, to people to come together and have a, a story that unites them. You know, like I can go into storytelling and and story stories and how powerful those are. Failures are oftentimes great, you know, just great stories that can inspire a lot of people. If you look at like. Uh, um, I'm completely spacing his name, um, but the founder of KFC, his life, like, oh my gosh, like he, his, he had so many mishaps and failures and just terrible things that happened. But then he started KFC when he was like 70 or, you know, just really old. Like that is just an incredibly inspiring story. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, my perspective on failures, you know, if, you know, stuff that I'm working on now fails, stuff that I'm working on in the future fails. Uh, yeah, that's something that I got to go in, get, go, go into it thinking that, you know, this can fail. And if I can justify the failure and, you know, just see it as a good story and, and it's something that I can learn from in the future, then uh, I, I, I can go in confident. Yeah. Harlan Sanders, age 65, I believe. And then it, the number of times his recipe was turned down at yeah. that point was, I believe, a thousand. I could be wrong with that, but it was a pretty high number. Yeah. It's, Case it's in point. Yeah, and then like before that, like something you know, like something that happened to his wife, and just different things happened to his family. And like if you just go back and, and look at like all these terrible things that happened in his life, you're like, man, that guy epitomizes. He embodies perseverance. Mm-hmm. 
ex- uh, these failures, they give you, yes, experience, and they also give you stories. And the stories, as you mentioned, inspire for sure. I mean, you, it's very hard to inspire people with just do this, do that, and, and principles, right? Absolutely. Stories where this is how humans are wired. Storytelling is, it, it captivates us. Exactly. It's essential to a brand's marketing, or even commu- just communication, communicating with another human being out in public. Stories will draw them into you. Exactly. So, Jeremy, you started that you you had the longboard company from what ages 16 to 17 and a half or 18 right yes uh, so 17 17 and a half okay and you mentioned then that was in so that was in high school you mentioned in the Forbes article that it was very challenging to be an entrepreneur in high school why is that you know I uh I went to a Christian private school and you know you we, we weren't allowed to have tattoos and I got a tattoo of an alien on my wrist like like six months before graduating. It was, it was pretty risky, but at that point I was like, if they're going to kick me out, you know, I'm not going to college. I didn't really care. Um, the reason why I got a tattoo of an alien, um, you know, although aliens are cool in space and everything, it's, that's all cool stuff to talk about and geek about. But in a lot of ways, I really felt alienated when I was in high school. I graduated with 44 classmates and they're all amazing, great people. You know, they're, they're awesome, very intelligent and everything. But um, when I was in high school, I I was kind of the only one doing entrepreneurial things. I was I was very lonely in my ambitions and my goals. You know, when I after school, after soccer practice, after that, I, I had work to do. I, I either had to go learn some stuff to go do things, or I, I had actual work to do. Um, and so, just kind of having different hardships and experiencing different emotions going through high school, not really having anyone to talk about them with. I, I was able to talk about them a little bit with my co-founder, um, you know, with, with, with a longboard company. Um, but, but, you know, even, you know, after him, there just wasn't really a lot of people that could relate to the things that I was um, experiencing. The few people that I could relate to was adults or just, you know, people who were just a lot more mature. And so when, just whenever I was around younger people, you know, when, when I was in high school, I just felt super alien alienated so um just kind of experiencing that may obviously made it very hard and then you know i obviously didn't have an an, an innovation class or you know i didn't have like you know superhero like don wetrick so the the source of of inspiration that i had you know that inspired me or you know the source of knowledge that i might have had you know i had to be the one to like you search it up on google or you know i I had great mentors at the time who you know i give great credit to and you know mentors are amazing but it still needed to be me to kind of make that first decision um so i mean it was hard i'm thankful that you know i was i was able to persevere because i you know i believe it prepared me for you know not you know nowadays but you know it was just hard being lonely and not really having a lot of people to talk to well, Jeremy, it wouldn't have changed in college. I feel you very much. I'm, I mean, I'm going through the same thing just yeah. a, a little, little bit later sure. than you went through it because for me, I have all this stuff going on outside of school. And it's not like when I go home from school, it's party time and smoke a joint. It's or like like hit some hit some bong like that. I, I've never understood the, like a I don't get it, but and <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not that. It's okay. Grab my computer and make shit happen. Right. And I don't have anyone my age in person 
to talk about that with. And so that's why I, I cherish my conversations on this platform here, mm, Growth yeah. Mindset University, the podcast to talk with people like Jeremy Miller and Don Wetrick and all of these people that I talk to here, all of these uh, relationships that I'm building on LinkedIn. And whenever I, I have this I have this checklist of, or, or not a checklist, a, a spreadsheet of social media friends just so mm-hmm. I can remember them and like yeah. their location. So uh, just people that I've had conversations with and oh, feel sweet. that I can really trust over. I need to do that. And that I've done, yeah, that I've developed over time. And so whenever I go to a new city, whenever I'm traveling, like I, I could have dinner with, with someone in, in every city. <laughs> like it's, that's so awesome. it's, it's great. Or I mean yeah. like relative, you know, every state at least. So even, even Australia, I got so many people I got to see in Australia, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> that's so awesome. Yeah. So, and, and, and that's, those are the people that I turn to, to talk about right. things like this. And that's, that's the great thing about social media. Whereas if we were going through Jeremy, this same thing in the 1950s, we'd, <laughs> we, there's no option. Like right. we'd, we'd literally have to get up and move and pray that there's like-minded people there. But with social media, we can connect with people on this grand scale that was, Never before possible, even 20 years ago, 15 years ago. Right. This is a completely new thing. Yeah. You know, like, you know, I was just watching a, a video of uh, Net- Naval about social media and just- Naval Ravikant? Yeah. Naval, I mean, yeah. Uh, just about social media. And like, like for example, I have Grayscale on my phone because I'm on social media all the time and I know the dopamine trips and I, I, I know those things. Grayscale. That- Hold on a second. I have night. I have night shift on all day, every day. There's a grayscale option. Do you do you have an iPhone? I, I do have an iPhone, and and I, I can turn off or turn on with three taps. So if I do need to like edit a picture on my phone, like I have Lightroom, I can do that. But for the most part, I have it on grayscale just because I know color is is a big tool that you know these algorithms are using to tri- trip me and keep me more addicted. But anyway, uh, what what I was sharing and as I was watching this this video that he had just about the addictions and and it's true, you know, social media it, it can be a very addictive, manipulative you know, destructive tool for a lot of people. However, we, you know, in this day and age, we have won the lottery. We are so lucky with how connected we can be with people around the world, you know, with the the source of information that we can learn on the internet. We, you know, we, you and I are so lucky um, with with just what we have at our fingertips. And that's why Don Wetrick just preaches opportunities are everywhere. Like, you know, just go meet people. I just posted on uh, Instagram the other day. I wanted to go to Toronto. Long story short, I wasn't, you know, this was a couple years ago. I I, uh, didn't have enough money, uh, wouldn't have enough money for Ubers hotels but i post on facebook that i was wanting to go to toronto and long story short this guy who i hadn't really known but i had some mutual friends with he invited me to stay with him in toronto and it was like an amazing trip it was awesome but you know that would have never had happened if you know we didn't make this like this connection on facebook or have these this mute this thing called a mutual friend on the internet and you know that we had we not leveraged that i would never have had this awesome experience in toronto so it's just really interesting the just kind of the opportunities that we have well, the thing that I get is like, Jordan, are you sure you trust this person? Because you know, when, when like whenever I whenever I go, when I go to New York City, my my listener, mm-hmm. great, he listens to my my all my podcasts. He was at the live interview with James oh, Altucher, awesome. and his name's Janiad. I'll I'll shout him out, and awesome. you can find him on LinkedIn. If you, it's Janiad Iqbal, I Q B A L. He's a great guy. 
and he picked me up from the airport and oh, that's awesome. and he drove us all around that weekend he hung out with us all weekend that's awesome i we did uh his first i made him do his first video i said i said take out your phone we, we posted it to linkedin got great engagement <laughs> for him and now he's doing videos and he's really yes, he's making yeah. it happen like oh my god i saw him the other day with about 140 likes on a video and oh 5000 views i was like dude that is awesome. this is something great and yes. uh but that's that's my guy when I go to New York and I I mean I remember like a a friend of mine when I said like for the first time you know before I was gonna go to New York I was like yeah a listener's gonna pick me up from the airport and like it like I was I'm like I was like oh my god that's so cool <laughs> <laughs> that that is pretty <laughs> but, cool I, 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 yeah awesome. but the person's like the person's like are you sure you trust them Jordan I'm like yeah yeah oh my gosh <laughs> uh, so I mean do you ever get that. Um, yeah, every now and then, but you know, in this day and age with how transparent people are on social media and I, I you know, usually like, like if I were to go live with someone, you know, it, if, if they're completely shady, like I can't find them on the internet, you know, have no right. you, you know, mutual friends, absolutely. I'm staying away. But you know, a lot of times if I have mutual friends and if they're, you know, sharing their life on, of course, you know, they could be someone completely hiding, you know, I, I, I realize, you know, hiding behind a fake profile, I realize that, but for, for the most part, the people that I've encountered, if they've got, you know, a certain amount of mutual friends and if they're, you know, exposing most of their life on social media there's no risk with that person and it's pretty easy to trust people you know a lot of people in this world are much better than than we often give people credit you know like people don't really want to hurt people as often as the movies and tv shows sometimes make people think you know so when people ask you and us like is it scary to you know trust these you know these random people that we meet in different cities and no like i meet some of the coolest people some of the nicest people i've ever met in my life just from talking to random strangers in completely completely different cities where they could you know they could hurt me they could mug me or, or whatever but it just really isn't ever that case and i know you know that isn't you know, to say that it can never happen but I, i'm not really fearful uh, for the most part with a lot of people that i'm interacting with fear limits your life but it really do, does. do your due diligence Absolutely. for sure. And that's, and that's what I always do. I, I always do my due diligence and I'm Absolutely. look them up on all platforms. Yes. Uh, if, if they're, if they're not on social media, just let that be a, a red flag. <laughs> yeah. So Jeremy, you, uh, in, in the Forbes article that our mutual friend Robin wrote about you. Go Robin. It, yeah. Go Robin. Right. Yeah. Potential future guest on, on our podcast Sweet. here. So, she asked you, what has your biggest uh, win, what, what has been your biggest win so far in your business? And you said, my biggest win so far has been making enough money to be able to hire a team. Why? You know, it was just really, you know, having the, you know, back then with having an agency and just the concept of a team where like you guys had similar you know almost the same goals you you were similarly motivated you were you you were inspired by the same type of people um that felt really awesome that's really exciting but what i really get true joy out of this world is when i can unlock someone like if i can inspire someone to go do something or if i can teach someone something to go do x or if i can give someone money to go do whatever and so my team you know these people who i knew who were motivated who you know wanted to do impact people all these type of things when i was able to like give them money to go do stuff that they want to do 
whether it's impacting people or, you know, just, you know, splurge for themselves to keep them more relaxed and happy so they can keep working and you're kicking ass. That was just a very fulfilling thing for me. And, and you know, going back to just you know, my purpose and fulfill, you know, the most fulfilling things, it's often based on, you know, the, the, the outcome of someone else that, that I might have had on them or, you know, the impact that, that I had on someone and that positive outcome that they had. So, you know, at the time it was, you know, being able to pay people um, and, and, you know, that was just really, really exciting. That's awesome, Jeremy. So as we begin to wrap up here, I want to again pitch you because people need to be checking you out, following you, keeping up with you because this has been an amazing conversation. I consider you a great friend and like I just I've loved I've loved all of our conversations that we've had. Yeah, man. Right? And, and this is the first official yes. this is the first official one that's True. on the podcast. <laughs> so it's recorded and out there. So at jeremyrossmiller.com at J Jeremy Miller on all social platforms and startupfoundation.org uh, for you and you to check out you, Don and Hunter and the work that you guys are doing with Start Ed Up great cause all that education that we talked about in the previous episode of the podcast and uh, snapshift.com instead of an i it's a y (laughs) yes sir is there any no nowhere else uh jeremy i said Um, what the hell no you're good you're good (laughs) um yeah that that's what i I will say i recently changed my instagram bio to jeremy ross miller i I, i'm trying i'm gonna eventually try to get my twitter to jeremy ross miller gonna try to make them all consistent with my website i tried to buy jeremy miller from a guy but it's a marketer in canada and he's never gonna sell it to another marketer with the same name so uh yeah so I'm, i'm gonna be converting everything to jeremy ross miller at jeremy ross miller well, yeah, if you're listening to this two years in the future, which is uh, which is inevitably going to happen, <laughs> look up both of them if you can't yes. find him one way. So, because hopefully by then you'll have uh, you'll have gotten what you want, Jeremy Ross. Yes. So, Jeremy, is there like a book and podcast coming out soon, buddy? Uh, I do have plans to come out with a book, but it'll probably be twelve to sixteen months. Uh, but definitely got something really exciting that I've been working on for probably last year or so got a certain number of pages written that that makes it you know something that we can actually pitch so interesting things and then also I I don't want to say too much I don't hint too much but also potentially interesting things about publishing and opportunities at the started up foundation so I'll, I'll, I'll just leave that there Ooh, all the more reason to follow my man Jeremy Miller Jeremy thank you so much for spending some time with me today before I ask my final question here. And I just, I, I really adore everything that you do. And I, I love Thanks, having man. someone to be able to relate to. And yeah. you're, you're, you, you're there for me to support me in a time uh, when I, when I needed aid, you know, when Absolutely. we were talking the other week and, and I needed some, uh, I needed a shoulder to lean on and, and you were there. And I really appreciate you, Jeremy. Dude, it, it, it's, my, it's my pleasure. I mean, you know, going back to fulfillment, you know, that's, you know, that's where I get true fulfillment is just being able to be there for people and just be able to help them, you know. So, yeah, I, I appreciate hearing that. It, it tells me that I'm, I'm doing some things good. <laughs> I'd say so. Jeremy, my final question, if you could teach a course at a university, course of your creation or otherwise, what would it be? Uh, it'd be about people. It'd be about understanding people. Um, there's one thing that Seth Godin taught me. It was everyone in the world, they want to increase their status in some way and they want to increase their status either to their colleagues, their friends, or their family. And if you can learn 
what that status, you know, increase, you know, measurement is, or if you can learn what that indicator is, um, and if you can find out how you can make it mutually beneficial for both you and that person, um, then you can basically set up amazing, amazing relationships in your life that bear lots and lots of fruit, but you got to really understand people how to do that. So that's probably something I teach. I agree. Jeremy Miller, you are the man. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jordan. There you have it, my friends. This has been another episode of the Growth Mindset University podcast. Now, if you enjoyed this one today, there are a couple of ways that you can give back. The first is, of course, to leave an honest rating and review in Apple Podcasts or iTunes. You can also take a screenshot of this and share it out on your Instagram story and tag me at j underscore Paris underscore and tag our guest as well and we will absolutely give you some love and then of course if you want to start your own podcast a podcast like this or any other podcast that you envision you can go to jordanparis.com slash pu to get free access to podcast university all right i love you all so very much and until next time my friends make every day count Live to learn and grow to give.